Hello. 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 Hello, my name is Matthew West, and I'm the host of this podcast. It's called the Matthew West Podcast. I really hope you like it. Hello. All right, Matthew West podcast listeners, on every episode, you hear us share about various sponsors who partner with us to support this show. We strive to collaborate with awesome products and services that you will love. We don't want to waste your time listening to ads that aren't useful, helpful, or impactful. So we're asking for your help. We've created a five-minute survey for you to fill out that will give us great information to make sure our ads serve you well. And this is fun. One lucky listener is going to win a $250 gift card from the That Sounds Fun Network when they complete the survey. Simply visit thatsoundsfunnetwork.com now to enter. Winner will be announced Friday. February 11th over at the That Sounds Fun Network Instagram. Follow at TSF Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Matthew West Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew West. And as always, I really hope you like it. Oh, my friends, how are you doing? I'm super excited for today's show. I hope you are too. Speaking of shows, have you gotten your tickets yet for the brand new spring tour? My guest today is actually one of my guests on the tour, which is what reminds me to make sure that you know about it. All right, go to MatthewWest.com to get your tickets. Don't miss this opportunity for us to gather together, not just through this podcast, not just through your AirPods or your headphones, but live and in person. And guess what? I'm bringing my blue couch with me. There's going to be special VIP blue couch experiences taking place pre-show. You can come. You can bring your family. We're going to share stories. It's going to be epic. And then, of course, the concert itself, man, we're going to worship together. We've had more concerts canceled in the past couple of years than concerts performed and we're tipping the scales back in the right direction. We're traveling around the country. I've got special guests, Ann Wilson, special guests, Hannah Kerr and Kane. And last but not least, he's also my guest on today's show, but he's going to be with me in the spring, Jordan Feliz. Now, this guy is one of my favorite people. He's also one of the coolest people I know. We're going to talk about how cool he is. We're going to talk about his music. He's had a bunch of hit songs. He puts on an amazing live show. Most importantly, he loves Jesus and he uses his entire platform and the music that he makes to spread a message of hope in a world that needs it right now more than ever. Let's go to the story house with my buddy, best hair in Christian music. There I said it. Let's go to the story house with Jordan Feliz. I just recorded your introduction and I literally said, I called the shot. I said, best hair in Christian music. <laughs> and then here you show up on this Riverside link and your hair looks amazing. <laughs> it's, amazing. Dude, it's just glowing and flowing. <laughs> Do you ever think about just like, does the thought ever occur to you? I'm going to buzz it off today. Oh my gosh, dude. I almost did like literally like three weeks ago. What were the circumstances? Well, so Jamie, my wife, obviously used to be a hairstylist. And it's probably, I, I mean, I owe it all to her for the nice hair call. So 
Shout out, girl. So she does your hair? She doesn't do my hair, but she just like tells me what to use and like, oh, use this shampoo, use this conditioner or whatever, you know. More of a hair consultant. Yeah. There you go. Hair consultant. That's a good, there you go. That's a good, you know, <laughs> hey. Uh, <laughs> so Jamie undercuts all my hair. Like here, I'll show you. Like basically underneath here. Yeah. Oh, it's short. Okay, for listeners who who are not getting this visual, what we're seeing is he's pulled his godlike mane, like his <laughs> Greek god mane, up, and now it's shorter. I did not know that. Yeah. So that's called an undercut. Yeah, yeah. So Jamie okay. like undercuts all my hair, and I told her I was like, I just kept telling her to go higher and higher, you know, because getting the weight out of long hair is just crucial at least for me as a dude i'm like it's just it's hot and i just don't want to just gets hot yeah okay that's what i wondered i wondered yeah and i like like i like tucking it up in a hat and like feeling like i don't have long hair you know just pretending for a minute okay okay but she cut my hair and literally as she kept going up higher i was like you know like if you just took like this much off I would basically just have short hair. And she was like, I mean, I can do that if you want me to. And so for like a solid 15 minutes, I was like, "Hmm, should we do it? Should I not do it? I don't know. Right. And then I'm like, do I need to like call somebody and ask permission? You know, like, do I like. Yeah. As a recording artist, you kind of feel like maybe your hair is not your own. Like that's, that has to be a, you know, a a group decision almost. Literally. Yeah. It kind of feels like (laughs) I've got I've got to like go have a couple meetings about this. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> more consultants need to be brought <laughs> yes, in. More consulting. <laughs> more consulting about my hair. So, do you know Rhett Walker? Uh, yes, yeah, a little bit. I don't know him really well, but I do know him. Well, he shaved his beard for some reason. I, I guess it just like he's had a beard for years, and yeah. he shaved it off, and like immediately regretted it. He's like, I hate seeing my face this way. So. I do feel like we do have to run these decisions. One time I shaved my head many years ago. I always wondered what it would look like. There was this time where, you know, Rob Thomas? Oh, yeah, yeah. From Matchbox 20. So he did a solo record, but for a solo record, he shaved his head. And I remember thinking, like, that's a cool look. I'm going to do that. And I did it. And I. I hated it. I hated the shape of my head. I don't it just bothered me so much. So I couldn't wait for it to grow back. So I think you made the right decision by keeping your locks. I, I made the right call. Dude, I honestly like it's come across my mind. It obviously every summer it's like chop it off because it's always so hot and you're in somewhere in Arkansas and it's 160 degrees and like a hundred percent humidity. And you're like, why do I do this? Like what is happening? (laughs) Hey man, that's your level of commitment to your craft, you know, but you know, um, I remember when Lenny Kravitz, you know, the rock star Lenny Kravitz had these long dreadlocks for his whole career. And then he had that one moment where he cut the dreadlocks off and he said it was almost like a spiritual experience. Maybe at some point in your career, you'll make some sort of record and then thematically it's going to fit for you to like to just go for the the bold cut and it'll all tie into your spiritual message. It'll be an altar call, the whole thing. Like who wants to cut 
cut loose your heavy burdens and hit some sort of spiritual relevance. Cut the ties. Cut the ties. That's, that's, that's the record title. Cut the ties. Song written by Matthew West and Jordan Police. <laughs> now that's the upside. That's what could be if it went well. The other thing could be is that you cut your hair and realize that you are a modern day Samson and all of your strength leaves your body. I can't sing anymore. It's like <laughs> I can hardly walk. The world would never be the same. So let's just, we'll shelve that idea until we have great certainty that the latter is not going to happen. I want to start with a hard-hitting question, though. As if you couldn't tell, the first hard-hitting questions were hair-related. I'd like to ask you how your toe is doing. Dude, thank you for asking, man. I was hoping you'd ask about my toe. <laughs> yeah, I've been very concerned. It's, it's actually doing really good. It doesn't even look broken anymore. I would show it to you, but I don't think I'm that flexible, so... Well, over the holidays, I ran into you, and you were you were anything but running. You were you were limping. And one thing I know about Jordan, and I think the listeners, some may know this about you, but if they don't, they need to realize that you're not just you're not just a recording artist. You're an adventurer. You're kind of like the Bear Grylls of recording artists. Like I feel like you're always doing something cool, jumping off of a a mountain, Paris, I don't know, snowboarding, always, you're always doing something cool. And yet I run into you over the holidays, you're limping. You show me, you go on to show me a picture of your toe. Yeah. It was not a pretty sight. You broke your toe. And here I am thinking, okay, he did it while, you know, he was swimming with sharks because we were down at the beach or, uh, you know, he was he jumped out of a helicopter. He was, I don't know, something amazingly perfect, you know, any, anything cool. But uh, what what was the reason for the broken toe? What cool thing were you doing? So my oldest best friend, we do this trip with our families every year. Last year, we went out to Cali to go be with them just because their little boy was really young. And this year they came out to us because we wanted to show them Rosemary, which is where, you know, we always vacation down there and we love it. And we just wanted to have them experience it with us. But anyways, basically what happened was all the kids had run into Jamie and I's room at the house that we were renting and and Trevor ran in and, and the dads were just, we were just like going, like wrestling and throwing the kids on the bed, you know, doing that whole thing. Well, Trevor's little boy Slater is like Trevor's like you call me the the bear like the adventurer right Trevor is like three steps above me he's a pro wakeboarder he's also like an amateur pro like motocross dude I mean he's like he goes hard all the time and you can imagine what his son is like I mean his son just he just learned to walk and he's got one of those strider bikes and he just like rips. And so he's just like a daredevil and he's on the bed and he kept jumping. And he like literally at one point basically was trying to jump off the bed. Oh no. Like just, and just, you know, we're talking like Superman, like just, and just jump. he was just going to land on the floor if. Yeah. And so I dove at one point and grabbed his leg like straight up out of the air and yanked him back onto the bed because he almost flew off the bed. So that had just happened. And then like probably two minutes later, I'm sitting there and my little boy Judah is on my face. Like he's jumping on my face. (laughs) 
And out of the corner of my eye, I see Slater jump. And I know where I'm at on the bed. And I'm like, oh, gosh, he's jumping. So I went and, like, kicked my legs out and went to go grab him. And I grabbed him. But what I didn't realize, because Judah was on top of me, was that Trevor was right there. <laughs> and so oh, so he was fine. He was totally fine. But I, when I kicked out to, like, go jump to grab I kicked like a full size dresser next to the bed. Ooh. It all just came an impact on my middle toe, like the middle toe on my left. The foot. middle toe. Like, how does that even happen? And just, dude, when I felt it, I was like, I literally went, oh. And I went, that's broke. That's for sure broke. That's broken. And, and Trevor and Trevor just was like, what? I was like, dude, all the impact. Do you see that? And the dresser had literally moved like a foot off the wall because of how hard I kicked it. <laughs> so. That middle toe paid the price. And there's no, there's no like treatment for a break of a middle toe. There's just, no. you just kind of got to wait for it to heal, right? Yeah. Yep. I like, I iced it for like, the first couple days and then I was like, man, yeah. I mean, this is just going to heal at some point. I think I've broken almost every toe on, on both my feet. So that, that was the first time I've broken that toe. So, but this is our life. Now we have parental injuries. That's what they are. It's not, it's not as cool of a story as we'd like to be able to tell. But speaking of your adventurous spirit though, like, do you have any um, crazy adventures on the horizon that you're already looking ahead to other than going uh, on tour together? Yes. Other than going on tour together, because that's going to be sick. I have like, I think there's five total ski trips right now. So I leave in a couple weeks for Jackson Hole. And then we're going to go to Colorado for a week and just wow. like kind of rage. So wait, you're, you're going to rage? Is that the term? Yeah. Okay, guys, listeners of this podcast, you will now forever hear me use the term rage whenever I talk about anything. I'm going to adapt. I'm, I'm, I'm adopting that into my uh, vernacular. You're going to rage, bro. We're going to rage. <laughs> Wait, do you ski or snowboard? I ski. Oh, you ski. Okay. For some reason, I was thinking you snowboard, but. Yeah. I mean, I know how to snowboard, but I've been skiing since I was three. So, like, right when I turned 16 was kind of the big like I tried snowboarding for an entire season okay and all my friends had been snowboarding or skiing since they were three two and so I just couldn't keep up anymore because I just I had tried something new and I was trying to be cool and snowboard and then I realized that skiing was actually super cool so yeah but aren't you from California yeah so did you grow up close enough to the mountains where or was that just something your parents? loved to do i grew up about an hour away from a ski resort so it's the one really it's probably the thing that i miss the most about where i grew up is so i know you've probably i mean i know you've played in fresno but we live in a little town just east of fresno called clovis which you've probably played there I, too. i have yes i have yep and so what's really nice about clovis is it's very central to the whole state. So you can basically be to the beach in, in like an hour and 45 minutes, or you can be to snow in an hour, LA in three hours, SAC in three hours, 
So I, I kind of miss that. But um, yeah, I grew up doing that and just living up there every weekend. I mean, my parents, we, my dad and I would get up at five in the morning and we were always like first or second on the mountain. So and I was, love your dad, by the way. I've gotten the chance to meet your family, and y- you and I have that in common. Like we're both really close with our our pops. And he does. Your dad still travel with you, or I know he did for a season. Yeah, he still does currently. I think I think he's gonna try to slowly kind of wean his way off of the road, just because my dad does. Like he's so funny. He's you know in his sixties, and he's doing merch out on the road like he's doing the job of like a 20 year old but he like loves it loves his son man that's it yeah and you know and i love him so much and i'm so grateful for it but i also kind of want to see him kind of flourish a little bit you know but yeah he i think he's gonna try to transition out off the road potentially pretty soon i've kind of encouraged him to i mean honestly i feel like he I'd still love him to be a part of our team in some kind of way if he can, but if not, it's not a big deal. I just, I just love him and I want him to feel like he's doing what he wants to do. And I mean, obviously I want him to be out on the road with me, but he can come out on the road anytime he wants, you know? Yeah. Maybe exchange that for some more time with the grandkids. How many kiddos you got? We have two. Two. Judah and what's, and Judah's the oldest? No, Judah is our youngest. Jolie is our little girl who's six, and then Judah is three. He's our little boy. Oh, my gosh, yeah. So you know, you know your dad's loving spending time with them. Do they live in Nashville, or are they back in California? Yeah, they live in Spring Hill now. They've kind of lived all over Nashville. They moved – I think they've been here for seven years, so they've kind of lived everywhere. They Originally, they were living in Franklin, and then they bought a house in Brentwood – and then they sold their house in Brentwood and moved down to Spring Hill, and they wanted a little bit more space. So, well, it's special to have them close by. Oh my gosh, yeah, dude, it's such a gift, man. You know, one of the th- reasons why I wanted to talk about like your adventures, whether it's skiing or hitting your foot on a dresser, just knowing your adventurous spirit and fearless spirit for activities. I think for somebody to understand that part of your personality, maybe helps gain greater insight to, at least I feel like, how you approach your music. Because when I think about your records that I've listened to and your the songs that you've written and what you're known for and your live show, I feel like that same adventurous and fearless spirit comes through loud and clear in your music. Like I feel like you're always pushing boundaries in a really cool way. Your album cover always looks it just has that something different to it. Like I was looking at the album cover for your latest album, Say It, which came out in 2020, but it just had this thing. I was like, man, nobody else could do that cover the way Jordan just did it. And I feel that way about like sonically where you like to go as an artist and the boundaries you're pushing. And then when I watch your live show, I'm like, man, he takes that. It's when I'm watching you live, I'm like, it's like he's skiing down the slopes. Like he is going. He's raging. That's the word. Um, <laughs> he's raging. But dude. do you do you feel like there's that sort of common thread in your personality and how that comes through in in the music as well, or am I just making something up? No, bro. First of all, thank you. Thank you for all all that. That was very very kind of you to say. I'm super honored by that. Yeah, dude. You know, I've I think I've always kind of felt like this pool to just be you know, push the limits and 
be just a little different, you know? I always say that and I always feel like I have to I have to like preface like or not even preface it. I guess wrap it up with the the fact that not that not pushing the limits is bad. You know what I mean? Like there I think there's just everybody has like this specific calling and they have their gifts that God's given them and like he's given them this, like their own assignment, you know, your assignment and my assignment are very different, even though they're parallel in a lot of ways, you know, but the way that it looks is different. And I love that. I think in our industry, we can oftentimes get like thrown into like a real, like a small aquarium, I guess, for a crummy analogy but no that's a pretty good one <laughs> and, and we're, we're all we're all supposed to like somehow be the same color you know and be the same you know speed and all these other things but we're, we're not we're not created for that I think for me like yeah dude like all these things like being active and and wanting to be adventurous and all that stuff I I really do feel like I try to pull that direction creatively in almost everything I do, you know, just because I love being able to do something that's just a mildly different perspective of everybody else. Because I feel like growing up, I always really, I loved Christian music. I grew up listening to Christian music, but I also think I just really desired like something to meet me where I was and there was always songs that met me where I where I was but I kind of like I think that's kind of how I always want my records to feel like I I have a record that can meet you where you are not just like a song you know and in every season and so well so much of our genre reaches aims towards an older audience too I feel like your music does a great job of of both oh thank you dude do you know what I mean? Would you say that, like, I mean, when you think about when you're making music, how much thought goes into not to use a technical term, but like demographic, like age group, like how much of your calling comes out and in, in going, I really have a heart for reaching young people? I think there's a, a pool for me to this. This is going to sound like a cop out answer, but I promise you it's not. But I think like for me, it's more of like reaching. It's trying to reach everyone. It's, it's not even about a demographic. It's more for me. It's like, can I send this to my mom? And she's going to be like, the message is powerful. And can I send this to one of my best friends who's a, a harsh critic? And he's going to be like, oh, bro, the, you know, the sonic sound of this mixed with this and this. And, you know, the drums are so like lo-fied out and like blah, blah. You know what I mean? That's the thing that I'm always craving is, is, and I, I don't know, maybe this is like, this is probably something I should tell my therapist at some point, <laughs> but I think it's just the people pleaser in me too. You know what I mean? I'm happy when everybody's happy, you know? That's an interesting kind of combination of things. Like somebody who has this adventurous, fearless spirit, not afraid to be different, but then also a self-diagnosed people pleaser. Yes. Like those, those things probably go at war with each other within you sometimes. Oh, dude, all, all the time. That's interesting to think about. But I tell you what, I mean, there's something beautiful that comes out of that because I think what you just described is a very mature 
approach to your art because you're striving to do something different and creative and you accomplish that successfully every time out of the gate. But I think there is something important that separates what we do, you know, as Christ followers who are, you know, having this creative form of expression, the message is more important than it is in other genres. So you're you're always being mindful of that message while pushing the boundaries still lyrically, but really pushing the boundaries musically and branding wise. I'm curious, like when your first song, your first breakout single was The River, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So that epic song comes out, like takes over. People are flipping out over this song. Like, what did that feel like when you first started to feel that wind at your back because this song was catching on and people were starting to learn who you were? Like, Take me to the very beginning and how long had you been playing shows or trying to kind of get your break before that song broke? Yeah, dude, I think the first initial feeling was just like overwhelm. You know, I had like overwhelming excitement, overwhelming, like just everything. But also there was that little bit of overwhelm that also was met with like, what do we do? (laughs) You know, like, what do we do now? Like I, you know, I've been touring since I was 17. So I guess that's a little bit of the backstory is, you know, I was in like a heavy, like a heavy metal band for like five years and we toured the country and we were all believers and we felt like the same pool that I feel now, I guess it's never really changed, but just that pool to tell the world about Jesus, no matter what the industry that you're in, like whether you're screaming the love of God at somebody or whether you're, (laughs) whether you're singing it, you know, I I think I just like, (laughs) I think for me, I just like, I just want to tell people about the difference that Jesus makes in my life on, on a daily, sometimes an hourly basis, you know? And I think I've been pushing to, do music for what had kind of felt my entire life, you know, and, and moving to Tennessee was a huge, just a huge leap of faith, you know, cause it was like, we had felt like we were supposed to be praying about it. And my band had broken up at that time and I had taken a job at a church and I felt like finally, um, I have like actually like kind of a real job that, you know, like maybe I can kind of support my family a little bit, you know, my, it was just my wife and I at that time, but we just felt like God was leading us here. And I think that was another huge thing that I kind of felt when the river kind of took off was just like, it was like, I had learned how to trust God throughout my life. He, he, he shows you these little things. He, he kind of pushes you to make a decision and you do it. And then, you know, he, he blesses that decision. And, and I think that that was one of the first times in my life that I was like, really had, had like, just, I was all in, you know what I mean? Like, no pun intended, but I I was just like, I was all in, man. Like I just dove in head first and was like, okay, God, like, I'm really trusting you. Yeah. It just kind of launched. It just launched, you know, um, there was a lot of wind. Were you surprised? by that song? Yeah, I was. I was really surprised about that song, mainly because we had written The River and a song called Beloved. We wrote them the same week. And it was one of those things where I really felt like Beloved felt like a, I guess for the technical term, it felt like an NCA, more rounded CCM song. 
Whereas the river felt like, I mean, I mean, it's not even a thing really anymore, but it felt like at, at that time in our industry, it felt like a CHR push, you know? Which is like the more aggressive yeah. format. Yeah. I think that's a fair assessment of those two songs. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in my mind, whenever they said, hey, the river is, is doing so well and we have multiple people on the AC side of our you know, of our industry that want to play this, I immediately was just like, they're going to hate it. Like they're, everybody's going to hate it. They're going to think, why is this like super aggressive song on the radio? Wow. Um, That's funny. That's funny. It was received in a completely different way. And and I, I think that was another thing. It was kind of a confirmation too, that people were ready to hear songs that were like sonically a little bit different. Yeah. Different. Yeah. Because I think in my mind, you know, Christian radio is such a, because it's so focused on the message, which is really the most important part of any song. I mean, debatably, but at least for me in the songwriting process, that is what we're looking for, right? We're looking for connection with people. We want a deeper, we want somebody to feel something. But I think, you know, also that song really showed me that people want that deep connection, but they also want to feel like something musically too. Like they want, they want to feel it, you know, you know, and as I've obviously grown more and more every, what I feel like every day is like a songwriter, a lyricist or a melody top line guy, like is, is for me is, is more just that there's a there is a blend of all of it that that can happen it's just it's it's harder to achieve than what you think it is i think you know but it, but it's there you know and and you can work for it Hey guys, kick off 2022 with a better checking account with no monthly fees. Chime, an award-winning app and debit card, has no overdraft fees, foreign transaction fees, monthly fees, or service fees. With over 60,000 fee-free in-network ATMs at many locations like most Walgreens, 7-Eleven, CVS, you can access your money when you need it where you need it. You can also send money to anyone, even if they aren't on Chime. Fee free for you and no cash out fees for them. Make your first good decision of the new year and join over 10 million people using Chime. Sign up takes only two minutes and doesn't affect your credit score at all. Get started at Chime.com slash West. That's Chime.com slash West. Banking services provided by and debit card issued by the Bank Corp Bank or Stride Bank. NA members FDIC get fee-free transactions at any MoneyPass ATM in a 7-Eleven location at any AllPoint or Visa Plus Alliance ATM. Otherwise, out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Sometimes pay anyone instant transfers can be delayed. The recipient must use a valid debit card or be a Chime member to claim funds. Hey, this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Being a human is exhausting. Living this life is exhausting. Everyone, for every one of us, it doesn't matter who you are or what you have or what you're going through, life takes its toll, amen? One common stressor is how we give away our power. You can't control what someone else does or what happens to you, but you can control how you choose to respond. 
That's how you keep your power. And therapy can help you learn this. It's not just a Jedi mind trick, all right? It's learning what you're capable of. And as our resident therapist says, when life gives you lemons, you can either make lemonade or squeeze them into your eye. It's your choice. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. So go make some lemonade. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and the Matthew West Podcast listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash MWP. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash MWP. It seems at the start of every new year, I have at least one hiring need for my team. I wonder if you're in the same boat. Maybe you've got some ambitious hiring goals. Well, no sweat because you're not waiting for the right candidates to find you. You're finding them first with Indeed. I love Indeed. And if you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. It's that easy. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need just one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. You find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you'll get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description. And you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. Indeed makes it easy to hire great talent. According to Comscore, Indeed is the number one job site worldwide. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash West. That offer is valid through March 31st. Go to Indeed.com slash West to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. Indeed.com slash West. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It shouldn't have to be either or. You know, we shouldn't have to sacrifice a cool sound because for the sake of the message of the song. And I think that's what you're chasing after and and achieving. And I think that's an inspiration for other artists as well. It's so funny, man, because we put out these songs and we think we know. You know what I mean? And then sometimes we're pleasantly surprised by people's response. I'm, And sometimes we're disappointed by their response or lack of response. And we realize how subjective music is, really. At the end of the day, it has to be something that we, you know, are bringing to the world, It, but our confidence is not placed in their response. It matters to us, but we ultimately feel like we did the best uh, to the best of our abilities with what God called us to do. Do you have a hard time trusting when record label says, hey, we think this is the song or whatever? Like, is that tough? Or do you find yourself being like, no, you know what? These people uh, have been there, done that. Like, what's that like? Because I know what it's like for me. I, and we, in fact, I'll, I'll preface it by telling you this story that like my record label came to me and they're like, we think this song, What If, is your next single. And I was like, absolutely not. Like, <laughs> 
no. And I said, I was like, I was like, it's not going to do well. I had too much fun with that lyric. It's too quirky. It's just, I don't think it's in, in our, in the music industry for listeners who don't know, there's this testing where they test audiences. And, and a lot of times that whether a song does well on the radio or not depends on its testing score. And a song like that I have found typically wouldn't test as well. And so, I mean, I, for weeks, like we delayed our release because I was so dead set against it. And finally kicking and screaming, I was dragged along and I said, okay, guys, if you're sure about this, then that's fine. And, you know, lo and behold, the song goes on to do better than I thought, which of course led to every record label meeting. I just saw this big smirk on my uh, head of radio's face and I would start every meeting by going, guys, I just want to start by saying how glad I am that you guys went along with the song that I picked because that was our big joke was, you know, I certainly I don't know how to pick them. But have you ever had moments like that? I mean, it sounds like you did with the river, but tell me about that experience, you know, in your career when people have an idea that's different than yours. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's the one thing that I will say centricity as a record label, which is the label I'm signed to for the listeners listening. They do a really good job of kind of making you making you okay with with the the choice. I think for me it's it it hasn't been the song. It's more of the rollout process. Like it's the process of of what song is coming first, what com what they're thinking is second, what's third. Right. Because you both thought like the river and beloved, everybody was on board. Like we love both of these songs, for example. But you would have thought maybe, hey, we need to go with this song first, and they were like, no, okay, I see what you're saying. That makes sense. But I will say that almost every time that I have listened to their advice, I guess in the in the circumstances where I feel a little bit like more passionate about. Like, man, I just don't, I think that this is the wrong move, which really, I mean, I can really say there's only been two, there's been two times that I've been like, okay, I think that this is the wrong move, but each time it's been, it's just like with you, it's gone better than what you thought. You know what I mean? Cause I think for me, you know, this latest record and I mean, I, I think almost every artist feels this way, but it's my favorite record I've I've ever put out just because I feel like we really, really pushed the limits on everything sonically even more. I think we pushed a lot, like even just like from a, like a storyline perspective from the, like the way that the record is written and like just from a transparency perspective and songwriting perspective, I, I really feel like this record was was the best I could do at the time. It was the most I could give, you know, but what was tough is that when it got released, it was COVID. And, you know, it's like, it was, it's tough, dude, because I wrote a couple, some of these songs felt like so, so much bigger than I could have ever dreamt, but the timing was awful. There was really only like one song that I was like, well, what do we, cause we originally were, we we're going to put out glorify first, which is what we did. But again, it was kind of a timing thing. You know, we had a lot of, a, a lot of pushback on the song, even though I still think like, and I mean, this is my own opinion. 
but I'm a little biased. I think it was a huge opportunity missed a little bit for our industry because it feels very fresh, you know? But at the same time, I do understand why it didn't catch, which was because who wants to go and glorify super heavy when nobody can leave their house? And like, there's all this, you know what I mean? It just felt like time. What was the release date? I think it was December 20th, maybe, of 2020. That was when the record came out? I believe so. It was sometime in December. So it, it it just, the timing of it was not the best, but it was just kind of what we had, it was what we had to do. And so... But then, long story short, because when you're asking about songs and, you know, kind of being like, feeling like, I don't know if I trust you on this, is it was Next to Me. They wanted to do Next to Me for the second single before putting out Jesus is Coming Back. And I was like, no, like Jesus is Coming Back. I think that's just got to be, we got to put this song out. Like, it's perfect for the time we're in, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. But we... We did next to me because everybody was like, listen, like we need a little bit of space between these two songs. Sonically, I think this is the right call. So I was like, okay, like I, I'm going to trust you on this. You know, I hope, you know, whatever. And, and I'm really glad I did because, you know, Caleb really, really supported the song a lot. We had a lot of support from a lot of stations that I didn't think we'd have a lot of support from. And I think it's really, um, it's done the right thing for now Jesus is coming back is out. And I think it's, it's, it's kind of set a little bit of runway space for the song, that song. So I think in my heart, I was like, Oh, but, but why are we doing this right now? We shouldn't be doing this. You know, this should be like the, the one let's just try it. You know, it's a lesson in patience. You know, you led me to my next question, which I was going to ask you about Jesus is coming back, because what's funny is from the outside perspective, I don't know about all the timing of those things. All I knew is when I heard the song Jesus is coming back and I saw that it was hitting the radio when it was, it felt perfect like perfect timing, perfect song. And to me, what's interesting is is for us to be reminded even in our music careers or in any job or whatever any of our listeners are doing on a daily basis is to be reminded that our, our idea of perfect timing doesn't always line up with what God's idea of perfect timing, but in his own way, his timing is always perfect. And it's always us that are off in terms of what we think, you know, when things should happen. But so this feels like the perfect now for Jesus is coming back. Tell me this song, why it means so much to you and why you think the world needs to hear right now. Dude. Yeah. Well, let me just say, first off, I'm like, I've never felt like, so much excitement about a song ever. I think it's just because growing up in the church, you know, you kind of hear about, you know, you, if you if you read through Revelations and you know you you get through all these things and you're kind of like, man, this is kind of this kind of sus. You know what I mean? Like this is going to be kind of scary. You know, whatever. But it's only scary if you're reading it from a perspective of somebody who isn't a believer. You know what I mean? And so I think. And also, I think for me, I wanted to write this song in a way because so many, so many songs about the return of Jesus have this kind of dark and threatening tone to them, I guess you could say. And I wanted to, I wanted to write this song in a way that expressed hope and joy, just because the hope and joy is Jesus returning. 
you know what I mean? That is full of hope and it's full of joy. And it's a reason to get excited. You know, it's, it's not a reason to like be scared or, or fret or anything like that. It's a reason to have hope. And I think I just hope that this song is like an encouragement to everybody that hears it and a reminder of the truth that he is coming back because the more and more we live, especially in this time in life right now, it really does feel like we're like, man, like <laughs> I just keep looking at my watch. Like, are you, when is, when is this happening, man? <laughs> you know, but at the same time, I can also feel this like undeniable pull in my heart that there's still a lot of work to be done. And, you know, I think the other thing for me about this song is one of the reasons why I really wanted it to have that joy and hope in it, the celebration, like you said, um, is because I want people who aren't believers to be able to hop on the ship and feel like they can have joy and hope and celebrate, you know, and not, not just us, not just that comfort of the truths that we, that we know we've been taught and that we've read, but also for people that, that haven't. Well, for somebody who doesn't know Jesus, this troubled life is all there is. I mean, things can look hopeless in a hurry when this is all you have. But for us to ultimately have that hope as an anchor for our souls to know that, you know, that a better day is coming. I felt this feeling in my spirit that there would be a lot of heaven like songs rising up about the promise of eternity out of this season. I didn't I felt a pull to like in my own way write about like the reminder that there's a better place. But when I I just haven't heard it perfectly delivered to radio until I heard your song, Jesus is Coming Back. Here's my last question for you. Speaking of knowing that there's a heaven that waits for you because you're a believer, speaking of the desire that you've had from the beginning of your career in a heavy metal band traveling around the country to getting a record deal to who you are today, the dad, the husband, the singer, the toe breaker, the snow skier, the believer in Christ that you are and the desire that you have to tell other people. Like you said earlier, I just want to tell everybody what Jesus does for me every single day, what he's done in my life. We're going to end at the very beginning. And when we go on tour together, we're going to be traveling. There's going to be a blue couch that comes along with us on this tour. And there's a significance to that blue couch because when I was 13 years old, I got saved watching a Billy Graham crusade while I was sitting on my mom's blue couch in our living room. And one of the goals of our concerts, one of the goals of this podcast is to help people realize that God desires to have their own version of a blue couch moment where he becomes real to them. And it's not just one moment in our lives. What you've discovered is that God wants to walk with us and talk with us throughout our day. Could you just take the listener back to the moment when you gave your life to Jesus and you knew that he had a calling on your life and your answer uh, to his invitation of love and grace and forgiveness that would change your life? Your answer was yes, and it's led you to who you are today. Dude, yes, 100%. So my story with just giving my life over to Christ is, it's kind of a two-part, I guess you could say, because my family, we really started digging in, going to church when I was about five. And I gave my life to Christ originally when I was eight. I laid down on a couch, just like you did. And I said the prayer with my parents. They laid their hands on my head and we just said the prayer together. And man... I felt 
I remember that feeling. I felt like such a peace and, and a hope about it. But I think what the one thing that I didn't realize, and it's it's one thing that I really want to do, really, like, a, a, I want to, how do, you, how do you say this? I want to do a good job of cultivating this for my children, is the understanding that you might dedicate your life when you're a little bit younger and not fully have it figured out of what that should look like. Because I don't really know, like, I know for a fact that me as an eight-year-old had no idea what an actual relationship with the creator of the universe would look like as I grew <laughs> right, up. You right. know what I mean? Right. Like, oh, of course. Yeah. M- Mike from Big Daddy Weave said something when I, it was my first tour I ever did, but he said, man, salvation is a choice you choose every day. I was, that's always kind of gotten me. So flash forward to my senior year in high school, man, I, w- I really excelled in science a lot. And so I was taking like a couple advanced placement classes and like I was in this AP biology class and it was crazy because I had this teacher's name was Mr. Soderstrom and he was teaching but he also was a volunteer at a church that I attended their midweek like youth class and so I saw him all the time but he was also my teacher all the things that he was teaching me like from a from a biology like science perspective as a young senior, I'm 17. I'm like sitting there thinking like, how in the world do these things, do these parallels match up? I'm being taught one thing at church on Sunday and on Wednesdays, but yet my teacher who is there midweek is also telling me about advanced biology stuff that I don't see how these things like mesh together. You know what I mean? And, and the, again, it was probably just because I was, I was a kid, you know, I'm still learning a lot. And I remember I came home one day and, and my mom was asking me about something with church. And I was kind of telling her about how I was kind of just struggling a little bit. Like, I just like, I, be, I believe, but I'm also struggling to believe because I'm also like, we're like deep in the big bang theory right now. You know what I mean? And, and into, you know, cellular growth and how we you know, how we so, so to speak came to be, you know, and all these things. And how, how does that mesh with like Genesis? You know what I mean? I'm so, I'm trying to like figure that out. And my mom like literally gave me a challenge. She was like, well, I think like if you put half the time that you're putting into your schoolwork into reading the Bible, maybe you would have that answer for yourself. And I remember she said that and it was in a loving way, but it was also kind of like a, maybe you should just like get off your butt and stop skateboarding and read your Bible once or twice. You know what I mean? And so I did, man. And so when I was 17, I, I dove in to like the Bible, like I'd never had in my life before. And God like rocked my world that year, dude. It was the year that I had started leading worship, like basically full time for my youth group. I'll never forget. I, went to this like gathering, youth gathering, and I led like half of the gathering. And then one of my, uh, another youth kid led from a different church. And it was like this huge gathering of a bunch of churches in our, in our area. I left and I had just rededicated my life to Christ that night. And it was like the first time I like actually felt like Holy Spirit actually like ran through me. Like I was like, whoa, like I just felt like my entire body like was like shaking. Like it was just one of those moments in my life that I'll never forget. 
and I experienced the presence of God unlike I'd ever experienced it. But on the drive home, my dad was driving me home and there's a interstate or freeway if you live in California, whatever you want to call it. But it's called the 168. And uh, I was driving by, dude, I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. We're driving and we went under this underpass. And right after this specific underpass, there's this giant pine tree. And I like literally have no idea. It feels like a time that was like frozen, you know, like a, a moment in time that literally just froze. But I like stared at the tree and I just felt like God's voice just whispered to me, like, cause I was, I was sitting there thinking about how, good it felt to worship that night like in my mind I'm sitting there like man I rededicated I had that experience and it felt so good to just worship and like and right when we hit like we I was looking at the tree I just felt like the presence of God rushed over me I just felt him speak this is what I have for you and I just remember being like in that moment I just knew that I was going to worship God. Like, I didn't know what it was going to look like, you know, if I I hoped that it was singing, but it hit me in a way. And that night really shaped everything in my life up until this point. You know what I mean? Just, um, and so this is what I have for you. That's beautiful. Yeah. And so, man, I just, that's, that's kind of what led me to my, what I like to say is my full on relationship with God. Like, just because for me, you know, I think obviously I was saved when I was younger and all that, but that night is what really started my relationship. It like, it was like a jump start in my, in my entire body of my relationship with Jesus, you know. I'm so glad you shared that and that you shared both of those parts because I think it's important for, you know, everybody listening to this to realize that just like we were talking about earlier that, you know, God wants to get your attention and he want he doesn't want to just have a one-time moment in your life and and like you said as a child though, we're also told to come to him with the faith of a child, you know. And and so as a child there's nothing incorrect or inauthentic about a child calling on the name of Jesus. But as you grow, you mature and you have a greater understanding of what God has to you. And I love that that what you heard God speak to you as you were looking at that tree was, this is what I have for you, that feeling you feel. I have I have so many great things in store for you if you'll follow me. And uh, I love that you just described, you know, that's what led to your faith being full on because that's that's how I would describe you. Like Jordan Felice, he's full on. He, he goes all in with his music, with his artists, with his ministry, fearless and adventurous and with a desire to, to let people know what Jesus has for them too. And ultimately, what he has for us all is he's prepared a place for us. He's coming back and he promises us an eternity. So, bro, I am so excited for us to be on the road together And I am so glad that we got this time to hang on the podcast for people to hear more of your story. I think people are going to be thrilled to know that that you're not cutting your hair short before the tour, that your toe's going to be healed in time for you to run around on stage. We're going to rage on the brand new tour with Jordan Feliz. And I'm so blessed to be able to call you friend. I have so much respect for you. And uh, I just know that the best is yet to come. I can't wait to see what new music and ministry God continues to pour through you as you deliver it to people so thanks for letting me be your friend Jordan Feliz 
bro. Thank you for letting me be your friend, Matthew West. I appreciate it so much. I like literally, I love you, dude. And I appreciate you a ton. Thank you for having me on. I'm so excited to be out on the road together, man. It's going to be so awesome. Just being able to open the door for people to grow, to either meet Jesus for the first time or grow in their relationship, expand it, man. That's that's all that matters, man. So thank you for the opportunity. I'm pumped. Jordan Feliz, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, now it's time for songs from the Story House. Today's song from the Story House, we got to feature a Jordan Feliz song. This guy's amazing. Uh, everything we talked about, you can tell he's the real deal. He loves Jesus and it comes through in every song, including this one. This is going to blow you away. Uh, thanks to his label for letting us play a little bit of it. But uh, after you hear this song, man, go check out the rest of his catalog. You will not be disappointed. Jordan Feliz here in Songs from the Story House. Check it out. We gotta stay awake because nobody knows a day or time. No, the trumpet's gonna blow and the skies are gonna open wide. Oh, yeah. He's coming for us just like he told us. It's been a long wait. There's a new day And we're gonna sing hallelujah when the king arrives Oh, you know you gotta keep your head up Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back No, don't you give up No, no, cause Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back And when the world gets complicated We're gonna keep on He's my dad, and he gives good advice, and that's why this final portion of today's show is called Dad Vice. Play that theme song. He is my dad, and he gives good advice, and that's why this segment is called Dad Vice. Well, Dad, here we are today. We're recording Dad Vice from room 618 at the Hilton Garden Inn. A truly luxurious lifestyle on yes. tour. We've begun the brand new tour, and it has been an epic experience so far. And uh, you're on the road with me. Yes, I am. And you know, um, we've been focusing on on the podcast with our dad advice segment about keeping first things first at the beginning of 2022. Yes. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What uh, what can you share with us here to close out today? We want to inspire everybody listening right now to uh, make that a goal to put first things first. Well, I, I thought we'd talk about first love. February is known as a month of love. There's a Valentine's Day uh, coming. And so wanted to have that as our, our focus. Um, I don't know if you remember... Your first love, I was in love with a pretty blonde in the sixth grade, but that soon <laughs> faded away. Really? Uh, yeah, and then I... I don't think mom would like hearing this this uh, trip yeah, down memory well, lane. Well, that's the only... T and then one more, uh, and she dropped me within a week, and I thought that was my uh, first <laughs> love forever, you know. But uh, so we're going to talk about first love in the scripture, First John four nineteen. We li love him... Because he first loved us. So God's love never fails. Human love can come and go, but we are his 
First Love. So three quick things about First Love. One, we are his first love. First John 4, 19, our text, we love him because he first loved us. And First John 4, 9 through 11, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but Mm. that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Here's a great quote about God's love is the love that never fails. The unfailing love that we desire comes from him. His love runs toward me even when I am unlovely. His love comes to find me when I am hiding. His love will not let me go. His love never ends. His love never fails. Secondly, he needs to be our first love. So we are his first love. He needs to be our first love. And in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, 37, uh, a lawyer comes to Jesus and asks, what is the greatest commandment of the law? That's right. And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He needs to be our first love. And thirdly, don't lose your first love. Once you experience the love of God through Jesus Christ, there is a chance that 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 love can grow cold, and uh, it's it's not not there anymore. Uh, so don't turn your back on His love. Don't replace His love with someone or something else, and that that's a, a temptation that's there. Good. And in the Bible, Second Timothy four ten, Paul brings up a guy by the name of Demas. Demas walked with him, served Jesus with him, and yet here's the verse: For Demas, in love with this present world has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. He left his first love. And then Jesus speaks to the church of Ephesus, Revelation 2, yet I hold this against you. You have left your first love. Consider how you have fallen. Repent and do the things you need at first. Three things. He loved us first. We need to love him back. We don't let the love fade away. Thanks, Dad. All right, that's our show for today. I want to thank my guest, Jordan Feliz. He's so amazing, man. And we're going to have so much fun hitting the road together. Don't miss your chance to join us. And you can hear all of Jordan's songs, as well as all of mine. We're going to be out there. We're probably going to do a song together, I'm sure. And uh, it's going to be a blast. We don't want you to miss it. Go to MatthewWest.com right now to get your tickets while they're still available. All right? We don't want you getting angry at me saying, hey, the show sold out in my city. I missed my chance. You didn't tell me. Well, guess what? I've just told you this is your chance. You've been warned. Don't miss me and Jordan and Hanneker and all the artists. It's going to be a great experience. also want to thank my dad for joining us with Dad Vice. Listen, if you need encouragement, if you need support, if you need prayer, go to popwe.org, P-O-P-W-E.org. We would love to uh, do life with you. Our whole ministry's heartbeat is to help you live a better, more fulfilling story with your life. You always hear me say this at the end of every podcast. It's your story for his glory. Well, I realize that you might be listening today and you may be at a struggling point in your story. You might be facing a broken chapter and we want you to know that this broken chapter is not the final chapter. God is with you. He has great plans for you, a hope and a future, he says. And when you go to popweed.org, you can be encouraged by so many people who have shared their testimonies of what God's done in their life. You can share your story too. You can 
can submit a prayer request and know that a whole bunch of people are going to be lifting you up. And you can subscribe to begin receiving a free weekly email devotional from yours truly. Every week you'll get an email, a day one Devo, reminding you that Jesus is in control, that he loves you, and that you are a new creation if you are in Christ. So uh, go to popwe.org today. We'd love to continue to do life with you. And speaking of doing life, you get one shot at this life, you guys. Make the most of it today. I want to thank you for joining me. Uh, No regrets, no what ifs. Remember, it's your story for his glory. You guys are the best. See you next week. Seriously, I, I, I do.